Man, thank you so much. What a wonderful church family. You know, just anybody been blessed by this church at all? Any, do you know what? It is a whole plethora of people that serve here to make this place what it is. And we just, I want to say personally, I know Jamie, the same thing. Thank you. Thank you, thank you from those that are serving in the kids' ministry, from the, that come the worship team, the tech team that's downstairs, those that come and greet at the front doors, that help even shovel the walk so you don't slip on ice, that you get your coffee in the back. It is a whole collective team. To find a spot, thank you. Can we just say thank, thank you? It's, it's, you know, it's not just one or two people. It's a collective family doing the part. And so I just want to say from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for taking your time and, you know, serving in the house of God because, again, you're what makes this place awesome. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, I've been blessed by this church. I was born right in one of these, you know, well, not here, but, you know, <laughs> roughly around here. I've been here since 1992. By choice? Yeah. <laughs> but I sure do love it and sure thankful for it. You know, and uh, we're going to get into the Word this morning, and uh, I I'm... I'm excited, and I'm also a little bit, hmm, because as I was spending some time, I was up till about 1 o'clock last night just praying and seeking the Lord, like, Lord, what, what do we want to do here? And uh, I, what, I'm, what I'm sensing my heart to talk about with you this evening, uh, or this evening, this morning, <laughs> you know where I'm at, Matt, <laughs> is uh, just, just it's, a, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a warning. It's a bit of a heads up because of all that we're doing as a church family. God has taken us to some tremendous places in his word, and therefore, as a result, we're seeing some real results taking place as we take our authority. And one of the things that we have been discussing is not only to take our authority, but we want to maintain and stay in that spot. And so not only is our call just to get and you know occupy that seat, yes, but stay there. Don't get out of that spot, no matter what the cost is, stay put. It's crucial. God needs you there so he can fully function and be what he needs you to be on this earth. So again, we're working with God. We're going to just tie into that a little bit. Uh, before I get, get going into this, so I also want to let you know, I bought, I have two of these Authority the Believer, John A. McMillan books. These are some that we've been going through, specifically in the front, kind of the first four or five weeks of this series. So if you'd want one, you've got to really talk nice to Julian, and Julian will make sure you get one. There's only two, so if, I mean, Julian likes bear hugs. I mean, yeah, you've you got to be really nice to this guy. Julian, you can, yeah, I mean, you're just looking for friends. <laughs> I just made Julian be the bad guy, so I didn't have to do that. You know, good parent, bad parent, I just let him be the bad parent. <laughs> but, you know, this is a lot of the things, you know, the Lord stirred up with us. This was a little while ago uh, that we started reading this word from Kenneth E. Hagen from 1980. And I'm not going to read it just for time's sake, but there's a, there's, a, there's a part in here that I just keep rereading over and over again. The thought, and a lot of times, I've even actually heard it this past week from some church folk, not here, just church folk, talking about, oh, that it's no use, the devil's taking this thing over, it's just getting darker and darker out there. This is what the Word said. Well, I guess it's all over. We'll just have to hold on and pray for Jesus to come shortly because the devil is about to take everything over. It's what we heard. I actually heard that this past week. But... Says the Lord, thus says the Lord, in this day, talking about today that you and I have been living in, he is searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. He's raising up a new band. God says, I'll raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness, and the light will dispel the darkness, and the truth will set men free. He also said this, there are those that will learn to take their place hurriedly. 
Now, I believe that. I, I truly believe this in my time with the Lord. I, not that I heard an audible voice, but I got the sense on the inside of me that he's raising this church up quickly in their understanding of these spiritual things. So just take that by faith. Say, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm learning. I wake up every morning and say, Lord, I'm tender to you, and I'm quick to understand your word. I, I want that. And so not only do we want to understand spiritual things and learn how to take this place hurriedly, but we're also learning how to stay put. Because believers, once we've heard this and you hear this, we know how to take our spot, right? We know it's through belief. I believe it. To us, we're who believe. So I'm taking my spot. Now the key is to stay put and don't let anything move you from your position. Now let me read to you again Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to take a few minutes just to kind of catch everybody up, tie all these things together. And uh, we'll go from there. See, my problem is, is that I wish church went till at least one. <laughs> cricket, cricket. Okay, <laughs> let's just read this. Ephesians 1, verse 17. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may give unto us. Say to me, what do we want? More than anything in this world? More than a you wrapped underneath that Christmas tree? I want, you want a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Right? Okay. That the eyes of our hearts are understanding, being enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Now this is the same mighty power working which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Where? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one which is to come. And not only that, he put all things under his feet and made him to be the head over all things for the benefit of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who filleth all in all. Now you go right into chapter 2 and it says, And you... And you what? And you everything he just said. And you he made alive when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Skip down to verse 4. It talks about all the mess that we were in, that we followed the course of this world. The, the, by our own nature, we were children of wrath. But God, because he is so rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he raised us up together with him. Verse 6. And he made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, Christian, where are you seated? Right here. This is my spot. Say it, it's mine. This is the only place you can really be ownership. This is mine. My spot, my place of operating. I have to function from there. Now, God sees me like this, but it doesn't do us any good if God just sees us that way. We have got to learn to adopt his mindset on that and start seeing us, start seeing me, start seeing you in that same position. Amen? Okay, that's what this whole thing is all about. So again, we talked about taking this seat. And it's crucial, how do we take this seat? Verse 19 says, to usward who believe. So belief brings you access to this spot. Again, it's not belief unless you are convicted in it and it causes you to move or act a certain way. That's when we know you believe. Again, belief is not head knowledge. You believe with the heart, the Bible tells us, in Romans chapter 10 in particular. With the heart, man believes. It says, trust in the Lord with all your head. No, trust the Lord with all your heart. Why? Because sometimes your head will tell you to do this, but on the inside, you know, I need to do that. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your head. Why? Because sometimes your head is wrong. Anybody ever had a wrong head before? Oh, yeah, I know a lot of people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've had some wrong thoughts. So I got, I think this is the way to go. No, I've got to check my heart, check on the inside. 
So not only, again, are we taking this seat by belief, now how am I going to be an effective believer operating in that seat? What's required of me? A transformation of my mind. The way for me to really enjoy and take the advantage and the privileges that we find at this right hand of the Father, at this seat, is that I have to take the time to now set my sights on things above or relocate myself mentally so I can function and operate here properly. Right? Let me just show you this, Colossians 3, verses 1 and 3. We've been reading these the last couple weeks. But it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, what are we going to do? Set your sights on the realities of heaven. You have to do this. God is not going to get your brain and get you to think up. You have got to take the time throughout your day, throughout your weeks, and go, I'm going to take some time to set my mind on things above and to the point where you can learn to actually stay there regularly. This is how effectiveness we can be, is just to start thinking here. Start thinking from a higher realm because God's thoughts are way higher than natural mere thinking. But thank God he raised you up to sit here with them so he could give you the exact same thoughts. That's good news. You're not stuck thinking just like, duh, stupid. You and I have been elevated to a new spot to think like he thinks. That's the good news. That's the, that's the gospel, not only what Jesus has done for us at the cross, but now he puts you in this place so that you can think just like him. And God wants you to be thinking just like him. Because if I'm effective, I'm going to get there in a sec. Hold on. Verse 2. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Why? I'm on this earth. Shouldn't I be knowing all these things? It's good to, you know, have information and be informed about what's going on. But he says, why do I not think about all these things? Because I died to this life. Say it. I'm dead. Again, I'm dead. I'm dead to what? This life. And now what? My new real life is hidden with Christ in God. So if you really want to see who you are, it's at this spot. It's not in the education. You can't go to the education and find out who I am. Right? You can't go into all these sports arenas and this is what I good. I guess this is who I am. You can't find out in your natural talents and abilities who you are. you got to go to this seat because this seat is the place of identification. And in a world where everything that's being attacked is identification, confusion is rampant, what am I? Am I a boy? Am I a girl? Very simple. Let's go to this spot and we'll clear it all up for you. You don't really even need to go there. You can just... I know what I is. But do you see how the enemy operates? He's trying to bring confusion. But you and I, we've got to operate from this spot. Why? So that the, we will know how to fight against the, the evil darkness. Because what's darkness trying to do? Confusion, envying, strife, just nuts, steal, kill, and to destroy. Our job, church, is to help set people free is to preach the gospel of the kingdom, which is good news, not the bad news about a hell. Preach the good news about what Jesus has done. That's our news. You don't have to be confused anymore. God will take care of all that. He's already done it. That's our message. And it's full of love. Woo! All right. Now, why does God need or want me to operate effectively from this position? Two things here. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says this in the Passion Bible. We are co-workers with God. Say that with me. I am a co-worker with God. That's who I am. He needs me to cooperate with him. And Ephesians 1.23, again in the Passion Bible, it says, and now we, his church, are his body on this earth, and that body which fills him 
who is being filled by it. Or you could say it this way, is that me as a believer, you as a Christian, you are complete in Christ Jesus. That's even Colossians 2.10, right? We know that. We, we've heard that. You are complete in him. But now you also need to flip that away on the other way around as well. God is complete by you. We have to have that thought, church, because he can't do anything in this earth unless his body is participating with him. If he's the head and we're the body, the body has to line up with the impulses of the head to hear what the head wants to do. Oh, I hear what the head wants to do. Now I can carry and fulfill it on this earth. That's what you and I are here for, is to cooperate with what the head wants. This isn't a Joel housing show and whatever he wants to do. No, it's the Jesus show. What does Jesus want? Yes, sir. And we obey him at all costs. All right. And lastly, again, I just love this verse. I just like keep reading it because I think the devil gets mad every time we read it. From this position, Jesus also said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Now you understand. And again, if you read it in context, the disciples were casting out devils. They were healing the sick. They were doing the works of Jesus on this earth. And they came back pumped. They went, Jesus, even the demons obey us. Jesus said, now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. Boo, yeah. You, have, you will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power. Say with me, every power. Every power that Satan possesses and absolutely nothing. Come on, say with me, absolutely nothing. Come on, tell the devil, absolutely nothing. Don't look at him eye to eye. You don't give him, you look, he's down here absolutely nothing. Don't give him that respect. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm me as I occupy and operate from this seat. Ha, ha, ha. And what do we do? We read these, hoorah. Man, King Jesus goes, all right, now you understand. I've given you my authority. Authority, hoorah, sir. You get excited about it. This is what he gave you. Because people, when, they, when Jesus would walk and he would go to villages and heal all that were sick among them, people would marvel and go, we've never seen anything like this. Someone who would preach with such authority and demonstrate heaven with such authority, they were marveled by it because what did they see? Religious rules and obligation. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that. Thinking it's holy, it's annoying. In fact, what did Jesus come to do? He came not only to fulfill the law, but to reveal, now this same power that I have, you got it. Now you do it. That takes Christianity to a whole nother level. Now rather you and I running away from the devil, it's now here, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> now we're looking for opportunities to move him out. Now rather than the church being on the defense to what's happening, we're strong on the offense. And this is the mindset we have to get. And we're going to get into this in January. I've been reading this book, and I tell you, it's dangerous that I'm reading these types of books. Because <laughs> I read, and I just, <sighs> it's called The Militant Church by Lester Summerall. Boo-yah. <laughs> so we'll talk about that in January. We'll have a nice Christmas, but we'll come back and <laughs> ready to eat some nails and <laughs> just be a dangerous bunch when we come back. Now, moving right along. A good reminder for us again is spiritual warfare is not you and I trying to fight a devil and defeat him. That's not spiritual warfare. Have to get this in our thinking. Spiritual warfare is now you and I understanding the victory Jesus purchased for us and now enforcing that victory that he's purchased for us. 
So it's understanding what he did and now enforcing it on this in the world that I'm in. The family that I have. The house that I live in. This is my job. The city that I'm a part of under his leadership and under the direction of the Spirit of God. Right? It's not just of, you know, rogue authority where I just start saying things and this is going to happen over here. No, no, no. You have to be led. Okay? Remember this spot. You can't be weird. Can't claim somebody else's wife. Well, I'm claiming that guy dies so I can have his wife. That's not what this is for. You're not fighting people from this position. You're fighting demonic spirits from this position. Now, again, with all this, hoorah, get excited, jump up and down. That's what I'm talking about. This authority is powerful. And, you know, if you, the John A. McMillan book, those that got that today, it's, you'll find a couple chapters in there. Not only is this the place of great blessing and great understanding and authority, but it's also the place of tremendous turmoil. It is also the place of greatest attacks coming against you. So don't just think the devil's going to sit back and go, oh, he found out his authority, rats. And he goes and scampers off. No, now you are a believer that has understanding of the victory of Jesus. Now you know how to fight. Guess what? He's not going to just sit back and let you just take possession and move back the kingdom of darkness. Okay, we, we have to be clear on that. We have to understand that. So what is he going to do? He is going to wage war now, and he's going to do everything he possibly can to get you out of that spot. But here's the thing. If you know that's all he's after, you've already had, the, the battle's already won. He, he's trying to get me out of that spot. Oh, no, I'm going to stay put. Because the moment I, again, vacate my position, I'm wide open for attack, and attacks can come plethora of different ways. It can be confusion. It could be uh, one of the things you actually see in the Bible that he's called the accuser of the brethren. He will accuse you. He will say things about you left, right, and center continuously, and it's relentless. How do I know? I've been experiencing a little bit of it, and I've had to deal with my own soul a lot. Just have to keep, no, shutting that down. No, keep shutting that down. And what do I do? I'm staying in my spot. Trample. Hold on. So now, from this perspective, again, I want to read these verses 1 Peter 5.8, the Bible tells us these two words. What are the first two words? Stay alert. Come on in with me. Stay alert. Right? We can't be ignorant of how the enemy works. So stay alert. One more time. Say it with me. Stay alert. That means you're actively watching. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. Did you know you have an enemy? It's not people. It's not a political party. What is it? The devil. And what does the devil do? He prowls around like, didn't say he is, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So that obviously right there shows us that we have authority over him. But that means there's also qualifications for him getting access into somebody's life. So again, what is the enemy looking for? Loopholes to get in to pull you out of your spot. So we've got to stay alert and be active. One of the things that we just would be helpful is that we have to be aware that there's even a battle to be in. That's one of the greatest victories that he has is people think there's no devil. But he's talking about a devil. No, nah, no, nah, that's just Hollywood made up stuff. No, no, no. There is a devil. But he's not who Hollywood made it out to be. Listen, I was reading Isaiah chapter 54 this week, and you read Isaiah 54, and you actually see it, and it goes back and it says, all the nations and the kings of the earth are going to point and look at this silly little serpent and go, this, this is what 
deceived the nations? This is what took people down? Like, you think about it. When the eyes get opened up to what's going on in the world, this thing that we're talking about, this is it? That's what it is? All he has is the power of suggestion. He throws these thoughts out. He says these types of things. That's what he's got, but he knows he's crafty with it. So we can't just ignore how he operates and what he does. Now, <clears throat> the Bible also tells us this, Ephesians 4, 27. It says to give no place to the devil. And again, in the Hebrew, or sorry, the Greek, it literally, Paul is literally screaming this at the top of his lungs. Don't give him access to anything. And who is he talking to? To the church. He's talking to the Ephesian church. And at that time, the Ephesian church was like how we would say it kind of in our natural senses. It was the church. It was a big church. It was the biggest one in the Asia Minor area. People would be going there. You had Timothy that was pastor of that. Apparently, Apostle John was one of the elders that would go there once in a while to that when he was around. It was, it was a church. It was a good church. And he's telling this Ephesians church to give no place to the devil. So what does that mean? You and I are the doorway for the enemy if he's got access in or not. I can't control your door. You got your own door. You got to manage your own door. I got my own door. It's for me to shut or to open. It's totally up to me, and it depends on my authority because God gave it to me. Right? Nobody else can close your door for you. It's my door. Okay? Now, so a good question that we would need to ask ourselves is, am I being influenced by demonic activity in any kind of way? And when you, and just when you hear the word, am I being influenced by demonic activity? I'm not talking about convulsions and shaking and blah, all the, all the stuff you see that's kind of out there and people kind of put together with, you know, somebody that's possessed by a demon. They just do these weird things. No, 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 no. He's crafty. Does he have loopholes? Can he get access in? And this is what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Now, in order to do our part, we've, now I just want you to get your eyes on the seat again. Here we're seating. Now, in order to stay in that spot, we've also used this phrase quite often. Again, it's in that John A. McMillan book. Belief gets me to that seat. Humility keeps me there. Humility keeps me to that spot. And I want to read these two verses that I read last week again because I, I feel I really need to bring this up. In the, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, it's crucial that you and I, we live a life like this, not always in the, don't think of it in a negative way, but to test yourselves. It's good to do. Do I have a friend out there? Is that, okay. Test yourselves. And who am I testing? Test my wife. <laughs> am I testing my friend? No, I'm testing me. Test yourselves. What am I testing? To make sure that I am solid in the faith. Then he says, don't drift along, taking everything for granted. Give yourself or give myself regular checkups. I need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in me. Anybody this week notice that Jesus Christ is in you? Great. How can you do that as you evaluate yourself? All of a sudden, somebody said this to me. Well, you know what growth would be is all, rather than you know, giving somebody the finger if they cut you off, how can we grow? I'm going to test myself to see if the gospel is working. What am I doing? I'm training myself to stay in that spot. Now, all of a sudden, you progress to now, you know what, to now, uh, 
God bless you. What, what's that progression? I'm testing to see if Jesus is actually on the inside of me that he's able to get out. Because listen, the Spirit of God is on the inside of us, but a lot of times he's held hostage. Let me out. Get me out of the basement. How can I get out of here? I just need out of here. And he's stuck in that basement. And meanwhile, he's like, let me out. And meanwhile, we're so flesh that the moment somebody cuts us off, no, Holy Ghost, you just shut up. I got to do something right now. You may feel good for a moment, but what happened? Nothing. Just flesh. Come on, say it with me. Just flesh. Anybody tired of fleshing out? <laughs> All right, let's go back to that verse, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, you need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. And if you fail the test, do something about it. <laughs> All right. This next verse is in Hebrews chapter 3. He says, search your hearts every day. Every day. Come on, every day. What does that mean? I have time with the Lord every day. I need him. What am I doing this for, my brothers and sisters? And make sure that none of you has evil. And don't just think evil as in like some secret hidden sin. Evil just simply is fleshing out. Is anger dominating your life? That would be considered evil. Do I get bitter when somebody says something to me? That would be considered evil. Do I get offended at the drop of a hat when somebody said or didn't say something to me? I can't believe I'm out. That is evil. And why are all those things evil? Because it will lead you astray. And here's the thing. You will talk yourself into it. You could even find verse in scripture to keep holding on to that offense to prove you're right. This is what they said, and I'm holding on to it until they fix it. It's not worth it. Again, what's the enemy trying to do? Get you out of your spot, trying to get you out of position. Why? So you're wide open for attack. So he says that none of you is evil or unbelief hiding in your hearts, for it will lead you astray. And notice this, and make you unresponsive to the living God. What does that mean? God is trying to say, he's trying to give the impulses. The head is trying to communicate. Hey, down there, I need to do this. I want to do this. And meanwhile, you're just, I can't hear God. I don't understand why all these things are bad things are happening to me. Meanwhile, Satan is eating your lunch and you're not even realizing it. God, where are you? He's saying, get back in position. Get back in spot so you can hear me. Come on, come on. And all that it is is a quick repent. Lord, I'm, I've held on to this grudge for 20 years. I'm sorry. This is not okay. And turn and move on with God. But you don't know what they, it doesn't matter what they did. It's your door. Shut it. Leaving you unresponsive to the living God, it says this is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Okay. Now, you and I, humility is key for us to maintaining that spot. And what does that mean? It's, again, regular checkups to go, Lord, is there any area of my life that I've opened the door or I haven't let you in? It's so good to do that. I can't tell you enough from my own personal life how good it's been when I'm just in my white chair, which now it's kind of brown. It's like a brown leathery chair. <laughs> no, 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 it's not because it's been discolored. It's a new chair. <laughs> That got awkward real quick. It's not, it's not like I don't get up and not go to the bed. No, it's just, it's a new chair. 
Well, if somebody wants to get me a new chair for Christmas, I'd be great to take it. But this is my brownish leather chair that's new because the white one I outgrew physically. Not spiritually, physically. <laughs> okay. All right, what was I going with that before Brown took over? The help, yes, the help that I've received from the Lord, the correction I've received from the Lord, the instruction I received from the Lord, in that chair, I wouldn't change for anything. Why? Because it's putting me on a path where I'm able to fulfill the call that God has on my life. That's what I'm interested in. The, the whole reason why this chair is so important to me and, and to you is because at the end of this life, more than anything, when I stand before him, I want to hear, well done. That is it. That's what motivates me. That's what drives me. That's what causes me to take my seat because I want to hear, what do you want to hear? Well, are you done? The way my dad would always say that. <laughs> Now, I want to hear, well done. You finished it. You fulfilled the call and the work I've called on you this earth to do. Come and let's celebrate together. That's what I want. Okay. Now, the devil is a very subtle being. And I want to just show you how subtle it is. And let's turn to Matthew chapter 16 here for a moment. And we all know this to be, you know, if you read in, in the light of this entire chapter, this is when Peter received that revelation knowledge from the, from the Lord that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you all remember that? Matthew 16, verse 18, I believe it was. And Jesus got excited. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church on the revelation of Jesus being the Christ. Right? We got excited about that. We've talked about that over in the summer, I remember. Woo-woo, that's all good. And a few verses later... The same chapter, literally two or three verses later, I want you to see this. So I want you just to pick up the high all the disciples and Jesus just had, okay? That's what I'm talking about, P-Dog. He's going to this. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside. Listen, come, come over here, Jesus. Come, come, come. I, I what, what are you talking all that for? G, Peter brought him to the side, and he started to reprimand the Lord. Anybody ever try correcting the Lord before? That don't work. Reprimanded him, saying things, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. And a lot of people go, hey, yeah, we got your back. Yeah, that's right, Jesus, we got your back. Peter, say it again. Come on, we got your back. And a lot of times, you know, even Jesus, he could have said, oh, Pete, thanks, man. Thanks for getting my back. I just, I really appreciate that. Look what Jesus said. Get away from me, Satan. Was Peter convulsing? Was he shaking? While he was just acting, you know, demonically. No. What's he doing? He is saying something, Peter's saying something, contradicting the word of God, the plan of God. And anytime you hear anything, any voice, any word that contradicts the word of God, it has the antichrist spirit to it. Get behind me, Satan. And it says, you are a dangerous child. Not talking to Peter, because again, what did Jesus, what was he conscious of? He's conscious, conscious of, he's in a battle. I'm in a war. What's the war? It's a spiritual war. Peter's not my problem. So who did he address? 
He talked to the Spirit. Now, I'm not talking you go around and talking, telling people they're devils and all that. But I'm saying we have to be aware of those things. You are seeing things. Now, notice, why are you a trap for me, Satan? Because you are seeing things from merely a human point of view and not from God's point of view. That's why Jesus rebuked him. Now, for you and I, as I said, any voice that goes against the plan of God or the word of God has the spirit of Antichrist attached to it. Now, here's the thing. How will we know that there is contradiction unless we're in the word of God? How else will we know? This is the only book that you and I have that is keeping us spiritually sane. Because I've heard so many people kind of just go off and do their own thing. And, well, I, you know, I heard this. and I, Well, some preacher said that, so I'm, I just I believe that. Hold on a sec. Don't take anybody's word for it unless it lines up with the word. If it doesn't line up with the word... As far as it can go. I don't care how great that person is. We're not kicking the person out. We're kicking the contradicting word that they're speaking on. I cannot and will not have that. So it's crucial for us to have this. What we need now more than ever, especially in churches, a lot of times we're looking for the tickle me Jesus type of feelings in churches. I just want to feel something. I want to feel something. And there's nothing wrong. The Spirit of God can do that. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But what we need is a group of believers that will go back to the Word of God again, understand and hear the Word of God, so that when that sneaky serpent comes up again and starts whispering suggestions in your and my ear or in the culture around us, we know how to shut it up. And this is the church's job, is to occupy till he comes. It's to shut him up. Because again, the whole culture that we live in, why do we have the problems? Do you think that we have all the problems that you and I are seeing in the world today? It's because we are looking at things from a natural human point of view. Seriously, you can Google how many different types of genders there are, and I think there's, what, 52? No, listen, I'm not here to make fun of it. I'm looking at it going, that is a very sad state to be in. That you are so confused in this. So what do we need? The word. Come on, what do we need, y'all? Come on, we have to put an emphasis on this. The, the Psalm 119 says, the entrance of your word brings light. If there's no light, what are we walking in? Complete darkness. It doesn't work. So you and I, our job is to take the word of God, not only live it for ourselves to make sure we're occupying, but also to release it and get it out into our generation so they can see the light of God's word, receive the love of God, and be changed in the renewing of their mind as well. That's what you and I are here for. This is why this church exists. (laughs) Okay. Now, Again, why does have Satan have inroads in people's lives? Is because they're listening to the natural human point of view and not God's point of view. We think Dr. So-and-so is just so brilliant because he's got a PhD after his name and it goes completely contradicting the word of God. And what happens? Human point of view and we get suckered into this whole thing. I know good people that are just down the road and it sounds good. Listen, it sounds Christian. It sounds nice, but it's anti-Christ. Didn't say they are the Antichrist. It's the spirit. Anything that contradicts the word has a spirit of Antichrist. And we've got to be aware of it in the days that we're living in. So you and I, believers, we've got to get back to our Bibles. It is crucial. It's imperative as we go forward in these last days. 
to be used of God, to be the, the church that God calls us, I need to know how he thinks. Now, again, a good question for us to ask ourselves is, am I being influenced by demonic activity in any area of my life? And I want to just finish the last few minutes that I have with you, 10, 15 minutes here. But as we move forward, I believe this with all my heart, as a church family, <clears throat> we, have been, we have to guard against certain things. I've heard some tremendous, already some testimonies, and what, I want to just throw this out there. If you've seen some things, or if God's been doing some work in you, or you've seen some mighty things that God has done on your behalf, we need those stories, because they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So I appreciate you coming to tell me, but we need you to actually tell the body, because I've heard some tremendous things taking place, and we need those testimonies. People being healed. Can I just give you a quick little example here for a moment? Uh, this was on th Thanksgiving weekend that we had. Uh, we were praying for people to get filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. We had th uh, three people that came up. They received the Holy Spirit, got filled with other tongues. There was a gentleman in the back that wanted it. I don't know if you guys remember this. But we went up there, and he actually wanted, he wanted prayer. He had cancer in his stomach. So, and during that time, I know Jamie was kind of standing over there just, just praying. And the Lord gave her a vision of river. Do you want to just come here for one sec on this? I got it. Is that the right way to say it, though? A river that was coming in, it was hitting, it was he, the healing power of God flowing like a river. Was that? Specifically knocking out cancer. So we went, we just simply do what the Bible is. And you, you all were praying. You had your hands stretched out toward this one gentleman that was standing right in the middle over there. We laid hands on him, and in Jesus' name, we commanded the cancer to die. Well, we just got the report about two weeks ago, cancer-free. That's all the Lord. Come on, who, who's, who's that? That's the Lord. Come on, what does Jesus do? That's what he does. <laughs> now I want him to share that testimony because when you hear it from him, it'll just, it'll rock your world. God did it. <laughs> that's who our Jesus is. And that's who we want to reveal to the city that we live in. Man, could you imagine? I, don't, I can't imagine for the life of me why anybody would turn away the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This Jesus that we've come to know and fall so madly in love with. When you see him, you want him. So that's our job. That's why this seat is so important. I can't be sucked out or pulled out from this spot. Why? Because when they see me, I want them to see him. Oh, I want that. Burn me up, God. <laughs> okay. Now... Again, there's certain things that we have to be on guard against. As, as I'm talking to us as a church family now. I'm not just saying for our individual lives, although it affects individual lives. But I'm talking to us as a church family. God is doing some outstanding things, and he will continue to do so. But we have to hang on to our spot and refuse to be moved. Like this, was a, this is a bit of a tricky one for me to say just because of myself. But I have to talk to you about this because it's crucial for us. One of the things that I want to bring towards you and I is strife. We will not have strife in this church at all. I don't care what somebody said. I don't care what somebody did. It's not worth it for what God wants to do in this church. So I want to just bring it, not that anybody is in any, but I want to bring it as a cautionary, as a warning, because of what strife can do. Now let me just give you a couple things here for, because again, the world that we live in, it's full of strife. Full of it. In fact, it's normal to be in strife against somebody. <laughs> I have no enemies. 
Now, it doesn't mean that some people may be mad or ticked off at me, but I have none. That's my heart. That's my responsibility. That's my door. I won't have it. Let me just define for you what strife is. Strife is, number one, it's vigorous, bitter conflict. It is discord. It is antagonism towards someone else. It is being in a quarrel, in a struggle, or in a clash with others. And it's bickering. <laughs> That's what strife is. Strife is a spiritual, demonic force looking to trap and to paralyze you, a church, from moving forward and having the impact the local church is supposed to have. That's the whole premise behind it. That's the force behind it. So again, we have got to understand that it's not individuals. The enemy would love to make you think it's people. It's not people. People are never your problem. They may be the ones, like we saw from Peter, that the enemy uses there. But again, Peter wasn't Jesus' problem. Jesus loved Peter. He loved him, died for him. Well, it's the same way for you and I. The politicians are not our problem. We have to get this. They're not the issue. Premier Kenny is not our issue. AHS is not our issue. Do we agree with what they're doing? Maybe not. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. It doesn't matter. What matters is the spot. Because again, this spot, this is where all the power of God is located, and I want to stay here so that I can make the changes. Talk about nipping it at the head. Go there. Now, I want to talk about this strife here for a moment. <laughs> because again, I want to look at it from a negative perspective. I mean, there's nothing good about strife. But from a negative perspective, I'm meaning the consequences of not stepping away from it. Instead of leaning into it, I want to talk about if you don't step away from, from strife, this is what happens. And there's a few things. Number one, it's separation. It's division. And it creates barriers. That's what it does. And what kind of nation are we living in right now? A completely separated, divided east, west, province, province. Political separations continually, even barriers. Now, not only is there barriers, here's the thing, not only is there barriers between people, there's barriers between you and God. This is, this is the part that really hit me as I was spending some time with the Lord last night. It's not just with the person, it's with him. I'm setting up a barrier. I'm separated from him, who he is, and all the blessings he has. I can't afford that. I need him. Anybody else need him? I need him. So strife, not only does it affect it, you know, relationally wise, marriages, friendships, all those types of things, but more importantly, there's a separation between me and God. I can't afford that. So let me just look at a couple of things here. What does the Bible say about strife? There's a plethora of verses, okay? So I'm going to just give you a few. You can write them down and we'll, we'll go into them. But Proverbs 17, verse 1, it says this. A simple, humble life with peace and quiet is far better than an opulent lifestyle with nothing but quarrels and strife at home. So again, if we're living by the Word of God, the Word of God is telling us what's better. So what it, what's better? To live a humble life. Other translations say to live in a shack, eating a salad, <laughs> stuck on a keto diet, <laughs> too far. I know, keto's great. I, I've never... I should really eat bacon. Anyway, <laughs> but a simple, humble life, living in a shack, 
eating nothing but a, you know, a salad every day of your life is better. Come on, say it with me. Is better. What's it better than? Living in a huge house with a buffet for every single meal, but it's filled with strife in the home. What would you rather have? I'd rather have an attic to live in. Throw me in a shack where it's peace and quiet, and I can just nibble on my greens. <laughs> than it is to be having a horking down a steak every meal and ticked off and living in strife. That's what the Word says. So if the Word says that, I believe that. Okay, next. Look at this one. Proverbs 20, verse 3. I'm only going to give you probably about six of these verses compared to what's out there. But a person of honor will put an argument to rest. Only the stupid want to pick a fight. And whether it's a fight on Facebook, Twitter, social media, people are just looking to pick fights. Why? To prove they're right, to get their opinion across, to get their feelings across, whatever it may be. But only the stupid want to pick a fight. Why do you want to fight? What's the motive behind all of this? Okay, continuing on. Look at this, 17 verse 14. It says, the start of a quarrel is like a leak in a dam. Stop it before it bursts. <laughs> and lastly, look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm just showing you some verses. It says, refuse to get involved in inane discussions. They always end up in fights. <laughs> Anybody ever see that on, you know, some social media things? Sometimes I script them just to see how the fight goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get them. Ooh, that was a low blow. Ooh, ah, ah, ow. But what happens is not only that, but it's hard to win a friend back who is offended. And actually the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 18, I believe, it, it talks about even bars being raised up. And to win that person back is nearly impossible. So he says, God's servant... Anybody here a servant of God? We're children of God, but I want to serve him as well and be influenced. Come on, show me your hands. Come on, y'all. I mean, I, if, so, so some of you aren't. Is that what we're going at? If you are a servant of God, put your hand up in the air. Put your hand up in the air. All right, servant of God, look. Must not be argumentative. Say it with me. I will not be argumentative. I will not be argumentative. Well, but I want to. Yeah, the, f the flesh wants to. It feels good to argue. Anybody ever have that with a spouse? Sometimes it feels so good just to get a point in there. Oh, yeah, that one probably felt good. But what happens? Immediately regret. The hurt or the, the separation that took place or the wall that was put between. It's not worth it, not only relationally this way towards Julian and I, but also more importantly, to my heavenly father. It puts distance. You read 1 John, all over 1 John. What's the premise, the focus behind all that? Love your brother. If there's no love, you're walking in darkness. You think you are walking in light. You are in complete darkness. And here's the thing, deception, you have no idea that you are. Strife is blinding. Continuing on, i got to hurry up here. God's servant must not be argumentative, but instead, what are we? Come on, I'm talking to the servants here. What are we? We are a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps their cool. Keep your cool. Working firmly, but patiently with those who refuse to obey. Now, instead, you want to slap them. He says, keep your cool, 
patiently work with them. Then he says, you never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth, enabling them to escape what? The what trap? The devil's trap where they are caught and held captive, forced to do what? To run his errands. Who are you working for? Do you want to follow that idiot? Then strife isn't for you. Arguments isn't for you. It's not worth it. Why? Because without even realizing it, I'm stuck in a trap and the devil's using me as a pylon to do his dirty work. This is huge. Okay. Now let's continuing on here for a moment. What causes, what causes strife? James 4.1, it says this. What is the cause of your conflicts and the quarrels with each of you? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? I want it this way. What happens? Conflict. Next verse. I'll just keep let the word do the talking. Proverbs 13, verse 10. Pride leads to conflict. So if there's ever an argument or a fight going on, guess what's behind all of it? Not, I'm right, you're wrong. Pride. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice, they're wise. Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred starts fights, but love pulls a quilt over the bickering. So this is what we're going to do. So if there's any disagreement, hey, the disagreements happen. Absolutely. But what are we going to do? We're going to come at it and approach it gently. We're going to come at it and do it in love, in kindness. Right? Making room for each other to grow. Right? I'm hoping you do that for me. <laughs> That'd be really nice to get it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Because that's what we want to do for each other. We're all growing in this. There's nobody perfect. I'm not perfect. Sorry to shock you this morning. It's Facebook status. Oh, Pastor Joel, he's not perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'll be the first to admit it. And here's the thing, but I'm doing my utmost to stay close to this word because here's the thing. At the end of this whole thing, James 3.1 says that I'm going to be judged a lot harder than you will. <laughs> so I don't think I'm taking this very seriously. Continuing on. Are we doing okay? I know you're, you're thinking through on this. What we want to do is wage war on strife. It says this in Proverbs 26, 20. I believe another place in Proverbs chapter 10, but it says, it takes fuel to have a fire. A fire dies down when you run out of fuel. So quarrels disappear when the gossip ends. Shut gossip up. You hear something, I don't want to hear it. Don't even pay attention to it. Why? It's the devil looking to pull you out of your spot. And he will do this all day long. Bicker, 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 bicker. Chirp, 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 chirp. Did you hear what they, did you hear what they think? Did you hear what they said over there? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Gasp, is that true? Oh, no way. I'm going to go tell my friend real quick. What is that doing? It is causing quarrel. And what's happening? You're building that bridge further and further. And strife's in the middle. And James 3 says that where there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. 
<laughs> so, to finish off, here's the good news. Here's the solution to stopping strife. Are you ready? There's five points. Are you ready? Just in case you were all sad and, oh, man, no, no, this, this is good news. This isn't a, oh, man. No, we're, we're staying in our spot. We found out how the devil operates. What does he operate? He wants to get strife to come in between you and I. I don't know about you, but for Jamie and I, we refuse to be angry at anyone. Love y'all. Doesn't mean we're not hurt or affected, but hey, we're choosing to stay in this path. Why? Because we need to, and I'm staying in my spot. Look at this. I don't have any screens. Okay, here's the solution for strife. Number one is this. Crucify the flesh, and particularly selfishness. When you attack your highly opinionated importance, strife stops. Sober mindset. Don't think that you're higher than you are. Don't think that you're lower than you are. Have a sober mindset about yourself. But when you put yourself in this place, well, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I, I can do things. You're putting yourself in a dangerous spot. Okay? Secondly, recognize who the real enemy is. It's a spiritual enemy. So when somebody says something to you that has the opportunity to cause offense or to cause strife, recognize it's not the person. They're not the problem. It's an enemy trying to suck you up. Church, this is the biggest one right here. Recognize who is your enemy. Not you, not me. If I say something that hurts you, I'm, I'm sorry. I really am. I, I don't mean to hurt anybody. That's really my heart. But if I, there's something that maybe kind of grates you the wrong way, notice it's not the person who's speaking. There's a spirit behind it. I remember this. Mark Hankins said this one time that whenever you're starting to feel offended, know that the devil's starting to work on you. <laughs> I feel offended. I, that means the devil's working on you. Don't let it work. Shut the door. Number three, start operating in love because, again, strife operates in hate and love covers a multitude of sin. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to choose to be patient and kind. I'm not easily offended. I'm not touchy. Say it with me. I'm not touchy. What does that mean? It means touchy-feely means that somebody says something. Ah, whatever. I'm not touchy by those things. I'm not going to Facebook it later. Number four, humbling yourself. Again, thinking soberly, thinking of others as better than yourself. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Four and five. That's how I view it. Number five, and now to cast your care over on the Lord. Don't forget the Lord in all this. That when there's a word or something that's harsh that said, cast that care over on him because he cares for you. He loves you. Okay, Lord, here it is. And I know from my own self, my own personal experience, and cast, leave it there. And sometimes I've had to recast it a few times throughout the day. It keeps coming back. No, no, I, I, I gave that thought over. Here you go. It's not mine. Lord, I just want to thank you. Your goodness is evident on my life. Thank you for your kindness. Now, especially as we go into this Christmas season, but listen, 2022 is right around the corner. And we thought 2021 was going to get better. Now, I'm not prophesying. I'm not saying anything about this. But I'm not expecting the world to get any better. So what do we do? We dive into this word. Stay closely connected to this word. I refuse to be offended. I refuse to let strife in. I refuse to let anybody pull me out from my spot. Jesus paid too high of a price for you and I to lose our position. Not only that too, but what, look what God's doing in this church family. Look what he's doing. 
Man, I, I could take a whole service telling you just different things that we're hearing. People not only finding their home, getting answers. Oh, I got clarity. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Receiving Jesus as the Lord. It's happening regularly, and it's all because of what God's doing collectively in this family. So I don't know about you, but I'm putting a war on strife. It's not allowed anywhere on this premise. Why? Because what God is doing and what we want Him to do is more important than me being right. Or me important getting my way in something. No, no, no. We want him. Are we all in agreement on that? That's what we want. I want him. Can we just make a, a, a con consecrated decision today that this is how we're going to operate? I, I want to do that, church, because this, it's, it, the time is too short. There are people that don't know the Lord in this city that need him. And guess what? You and I are the answer for him. A person in strife can't operate from this seat effectively. It doesn't work. So right where you're just seated right now, I want you just on the inside of you. I want you just, just maybe say these words from your heart. Say it with your heart. You can say this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in my Savior and my King's name, King Jesus. Lord, today I make a decision. I'm drawing a line in the sand to be a person who lives a life strife-free. Anything that has been done, anything that has been said against me, I release it, I give it to you, and I take the identity that you've given me because I'm in you. I'm a person of love. I'm a person of joy. I am a peacemaker. And I'm filled with your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for coaching me on the inside, for leading me and guiding me into all truth, showing me things to come, and bringing the words of Jesus back to my memory and enlightening me in them. I'm free. I'm free. Come on, y'all. I'm free. Come on, just shake that weight off. Shake that dead weight off. No, the Bible tells us, Hebrews 12, to let us run the race that's set before us. Shaking off all that sin, all those things that would trip you up. Strife is a tripper. That's what it's there for. It's there to trip you up. Come on, y'all, you got to shake it off. Even naturally speak, just shake it off. Those words that were said, I shake them off. Those things that were done, I, sh I shake it off. And I move on and I keep my eyes fixed on my wonderful King, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, church, I, I do know this. God is doing some things in you. He's doing things in you. In you. He who began a good work in me. What's he going to do? He's going to finish it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So be bold. Be confident in this. Don't just think, well, if I don't say anything, they're just going to run over me. No, 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 no. God's got your back. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never relax his hold on you. He is for you. But how is he for you? When I operate the way he operates. He's for his ways. He's not just for me, Joel Housing, to do whatever I want to do. No, he's for me operating in his ways. So let's stick in the ways of God and you'll start to see God's results. Amen.